Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with Justin Kendrick, who is the lead pastor of Vox Church and is an author, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Um, just really grateful and honored that you're, you're spending some time to tune in, um, to grow spiritually, um, to, to get to know about God in the flesh um, through Jesus Christ. And so thank you for your, your commitment to the show if you're a longtime listener. Um, if you're if you're a first time listener, thanks so much for joining. I know you're in for a, for a special episode today. I'm chatting and having a really a conversational interview with Justin Kendrick, who is the lead pastor of Vox Church and is an author of several books as well. Um, in this episode, we discuss doing ministry in New England, what it's like to to be in um, in Connecticut and Massachusetts, and just the vision um, for really kind of what God has in store for, um, for, you know, 14 million people, um, who live here in new England. And so just really encouraged to hear, um, Justin's heart, um, for new England. Uh, and it just, it's very encouraging. And so you're certainly going to leave this episode encouraged. We talk about his latest book, bury your ordinary, which is focused on spiritual growth and discipleship, man, what a time it is right now to, uh, to be, just digging in extra, an extra dose of spiritual disciplines in the morning, first hour, you know, getting getting into the word. Um, we look at scripture, what the Bible says about spiritual habits and these seven habits that he mentions, um, as long as a whole lot more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Justin. Without further ado, Justin, thanks so much for spending some time and, and hanging out today. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be on the podcast. My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, and so, you know, we were, we were catching up a little bit before, before the podcast. You're obviously based in New England and yeah. um, have been doing ministry here for, you know, you launched in, the, you know, about 10 years ago now. Is that right? Yeah, 10 years in September. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So can you just kind of, I know New England, I, I was raised here. Can you tell me a little bit more about your backstory and kind of a... Uh, there's a kind of a special place, special place of doing ministry in New England too, as you know. And so yeah. there's a lot of rich history, whether it's, you know, got Boston and then you're close to New York City as well and yep. have yep. The, kind of the history, not only, you know, business and academic stuff, but a lot of church movements have come through here. Yeah. Um, you know, with Jonathan Edwards and a lot of other folks that have kind of made way. And so just yep. tell me a little bit more about kind of New England, what has meant to you and kind of doing ministry. Yeah, so I love this area. If you're familiar with the Northeast at all, you know, you know, it has a reputation for not being the most spiritually incredible place on the planet, you know, so it's uh, yeah. statistically the least church region. Fewer people read the Bible, fewer people attend church or right. participate in any real spirituality or mm -hmm. religion. And mm -hmm. I actually love that about this area because mm -hmm. it makes it a place where people are uh, oftentimes open and hungry, you know, for, um, mm -hmm. for an experience with God. And so mm -hmm. grew up here, uh, grew up kind of as a classic non-practicing Catholic, you know? And so um, right. my, my family went to church occasionally. We would do Easter, Christmas, and that type of thing. But it wasn't until I was a teenager that I really started to uh, find this, like, call from God, this drawing from the Holy Spirit. My dad, mm -hmm. parents had been divorced. My dad started going to a church in New Haven, Connecticut, downtown mm -hmm. New Haven. Mm -hmm. And I went one week with him, 
and the pastor talked to me about Jesus and he just, you know, shared basically mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. gospel, the good news that Jesus mm -hmm. came, that he died, that he rose, that I could have relationship with God and peace mm -hmm. with God. And that it was going to be by grace. And I just remember being stunned by that. You know, like I had heard about Jesus my whole life, but kind of focused on sports and girls and, you know, mm -hmm. not focused on Jesus. And that moment as a teenage kid just marked my whole life. Like mm -hmm. I just experienced God's grace and was drawn and candidly never looked back. I said, yes. I said, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow him. I want mm -hmm. to understand who he is. Mm -hmm. And from that day on, God gripped my life. And so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for the next, you know, 10 years, I tried multiple strategies to get out of New England and to go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Right. And every right. time I felt like God was just calling me back to this place. And sure. I, I, um, I really do believe that, mm -hmm. that it is a time in our nation's history and mm -hmm. especially in this region's history where God is waking people up. And he is really drawing mm -hmm. people to a spiritual encounter with him through mm -hmm. Christ. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I get to be a part of that. And so do you. And so do so many others. And so right. it's been uh, it's been an amazing, amazing 10 years since we started the church. We started with nine friends, you know, and a dream to see churches all over the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as of now, we have 10 churches and mm -hmm. we're watching people every single week meet Jesus. It's pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. And um and grow, grow in their faith. So, yeah, I love this area. And, you know, some people, you know, we like to say, you know, uh, most people say that New England is spiritually dead. And we say, you know, that's okay because uh, we believe in resurrection. And so it's perfect for a resurrection. So it's a great place to do ministry. And it's a great place to experiment with ministry because my attitude is if it can work here, uh, maybe it can work anywhere. You know, so, right, right. Um, yeah. Love it. Love this place. No, yeah. No, well, well, thank you. And and it's a, it's you're definitely a gift to the region. And um, you know, it, it, it just it is really exciting too. And I think that there's a certain like when you meet other people who are who are believers, and you just like yeah. you kind of get excited because it's like not it's not always a normal thing, you know. And you're like, ah, oh, man, you like you love Jesus too. And I'm like, yeah. And so yeah, it's just a fun. It's a it's a it, it is. There's a special kind of uniqueness to that. Um, and so. Yep. Yeah, and so I just want to kind of dig in a little more to your book now. And so launching, uh, planning on launching in, in September 1st, um, mm -hmm. yeah. bury your ordinary. Uh, so first, yeah. congrats. I love, yeah, love your focus on discipleship. Yeah, thanks. I, I think, you know, uh, for me, um, this book was something that got planted in my heart as a 17-year-old kid. But the truth is, I just um, – I. I wasn't ready to write it. I had to take 20 years and actually live it, practice it, experiment with it, grow in it. And I think the, kind of the idea behind the book is that, um, you know, God calls us to go and make disciples. And so to be a disciple of Jesus simply means to be a person whose life is dedicated to following him. And this means that I have to grow spiritually. And I think a lot of Christians, we have plans to grow maybe in your business or grow even in your knowledge of the Bible or grow in your relationships or grow in your physical health, whatever. But like most Christians don't have a very practical plan to grow spiritually. So mm -hmm. when you talk mm -hmm. to most Christians, you say, well, what are you doing to grow spiritually? And they go, oh, uh, I read a devotional for 10 minutes in the morning and I try to go to church when I can, you know, and it's like, okay, I would call that mm -hmm. the ordinary way of pursuing mm -hmm. God in our time and in this, uh, this part of the world. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the whole idea behind the book is, you know, that's not going to get you where your heart is really growing to the place where God's called it to grow and what the mm -hmm. potential he's put in you. And so 
could we possibly live our lives with a very intentional plan for spiritual growth? And if we could, what would that plan look like? And so that's really kind of the essence of, of mm-hmm. the book. Mm-hmm. No, I, absolutely. And I, and I definitely agree. And I, you touched on that earlier, right? Is this, this need for this like awakeness or this really, this, yeah. this, vi- this spiritual vitality that I think is just like, you start to see your life changing um, in different ways and in, in kind of your hunger and your pursuit of God also change. And, um, and yeah, and so I just kind of want to talk a little bit more on, on discipleship. I know you kind of break down the seven, seven habits and we'll kind of, we'll get to those in a moment, Sure. but kind of looking at kind of like, what was, what has your discipleship kind of path looked like? Has there been people that have been influential or like kind of, how do you think about the whole kind of what, what comes together? Yeah, totally. I think for me, and I think for a lot of Christians, the idea of discipleship is a little ambiguous. You know, it's like, okay, what does that mean? You know, like, what am I supposed to do? How does it work? And for me, um, right at the critical moment of my life where I was kind of determining if I would leave New England or if I would stay, I was finishing up high school. I felt this really clear call from God to go and make disciples. And I remember uh, writing that down and like with a question mark, like, what does that mean? Like, how do I actually go and make disciples. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. um, at, at the first, you know, I really didn't have a plan. I just started talking about Jesus with people in a pretty clumsy and unprepared way, mm-hmm. unqualified in every way, saying the dumbest things, but with a heart that really did love God mm-hmm. and really saw God as active in my life. You know, and I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Christians, like if you're honest, is God active in your life? Or is he kind of like this sideshow that you sort of like, you know, tap in a couple times a week and say, Hey God, how are you back to my life? You're like, that's Mm -hmm. never the way God intended it. Discipleship is supposed to be a whole life experience, you know? And what I realized is that spiritual growth ultimately is, I I love how Jonathan Edwards says it. You mentioned him earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, this incredible theologian in American history, he said that if you really want to understand spiritual growth, you can boil it down to the growth of agape love in your life. Hmm. And so sometimes we think about spiritual growth or discipleship and we go, okay, uh, I got to memorize Bible verses, right? Or I've got to attend mm-hmm. church every week, or I've got to mm-hmm. lead a small group, or I've got to join the worship team or whatever, whatever it might be in your context. None of those things are bad, but those don't make you mature. We've all met people who they've followed Jesus for 30 years, but you think they've only followed for 30 minutes because they don't have any real maturity in love. Hmm. And that's what, that's what God talks about in the scripture. And where Edwards lands is he says, real spiritual growth is your love growing. And so this, I remember wrestling with this as mm-hmm. a young kid reading Edwards resolutions and, uh, and going, okay, God, how do I grow in love? Right. And this is where the Holy Spirit really began to guide me towards habits because habits stretch your heart over time and teach you to grow in love. And so uh, through really 20 years of experimenting, I isolated seven critical habits that when consistently practiced in a particular focus and order will grow your love for God and for others and for his purpose and will actually help maturity come about in your spiritual mm-hmm. life. And so, um, you know, this, so what is discipleship? Mm-hmm. Discipleship is following Jesus with your whole heart. What does it mean to follow him with your whole heart? It means to grow in love. How do I grow in love? You've got to have particular habits that help mm-hmm. your heart grow. And so then what are the habits? And of course, that's what the book's about. Right, 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 right. No, and, and, and I, I definitely, you know, agree. And it, it's exciting to, to hear. And I, I think I see there's, a, I think a lot of people are more apt to like, 
to having spiritual conversations too. And so I think totally. being in, in New England as well. And I think at the time we're in right now, like with what's happened in the past year, like people are like very like the, open, my, yeah. just very open. Yeah. There, there, there's a yeah. lot. And like a lot of things from their past are kind of coming to like, everything's kind of like going this down this way. And, and a lot of, a lot is really heavy coming at you. And they're yeah. kind of, and people are kind of being, some people are being forced into, okay, like, do I want to continue pushing this off? Or yep. do I want to to really kind of wrestle with and start to to navigate some of these big big questions of like you know like is there more to then like just this life right now like is there a future promise land and I think that changes everything uh, just it as does. one example but it really does I mean I think for so long we especially in America we've had the opportunity to make spiritual things second third fourth fifth in our priority list you know most people it's like hey i want to make some money i want to be comfortable i want to get married i want to have kids i want to have a dog i want to buy a house oh oh yeah yeah and i want to i want god to be a part of my life too Mm -hmm. and i think the last year you're right is stirring things and my prayer is Mm -hmm. that it just Mm -hmm. really overthrows the american paradigm Mm -hmm. and we say no 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 life is not about comfort life is not about your personal security it's not about your perfect relationships Life is ultimately about God because you and I are going mm-hmm. to be standing in front of him sooner than we think. And when we are, we'll give an account for our lives. He will judge the living and the dead. This is real. And so if every one of us is going to die, it's probably time to live mm-hmm. now like eternity is coming. And right. so right. Um, I remember, you know, as a young man facing that question, does my life make sense in the light of eternity? And that one question will just overthrow every single plan that you've wow. ever made and uh, and wow. force you to actually live a life that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, does my life make sense in the light of eternity is the beginning of uh, spiritual growth, wrestling mm-hmm. with that, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 And and I think what's so beautiful is there's like a there's a guide for like how we can can follow this yeah. and and obviously That's so like when we look in like Genesis there's not a whole and you look in the garden there's not really a lot that I think right. that is communicated it's that don't eat from the, the the knowledge of good and evil there's a lot of things you can do and a lot of great things right. that are blessed um, right. but this one thing like and then obviously uh, kind of the uh, we know the outcome of that, and then, but, but now, kind of moving, moving forward throughout the, the Old Testament into the New Testament, like there is such a guidebook uh, of uh, we see of how Jesus engages with the Father, and and yep. so just kind of, can you t- walk me through kind of how you thought about this, looking through the Bible, looking through Scripture, of like, all right, yep. how is this going to change the habits here? Yeah, for sure. So you know, for me, as I really started this process of discipleship, I realized that everything starts with relationship. You know, relationship with God, and what I mean by that is. You know, Jesus gives God multiple names all through the Bible, right? He calls God all types of things. The scripture, you know, God is called the Almighty. He's called the Lord who provides. He's Mm -hmm, called, mm -hmm. you know, all these various things. But when Jesus came on the scene, he stretched and pushed on a truth that made the Pharisees uncomfortable. And it's that he called God Father, right? He said, listen, the, the judge, the king, the creator, the sustainer, the providential hand over all of history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He is all those things. But first, I want you to know him as father. And so like identity comes from God, not from my job, not from my skills, not from my family of origin. Ultimately, identity comes from God. He's my father. And so that truth is like, it's like an atomic bomb in the soul. Like, and I think a lot of Christians, they go, oh yeah, God is my father. But do you know him like that? You know, do you actually know God 
as a father to you. And what kind of father is he? And so I think discipleship has to begin with relationship. And that's what that first habit deals with mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. how do I grow in a relationship with God? And it's kind of ironic because we all know, you know, like if you and I said, hey, we're going to be best friends for the rest of our lives, but we're only going to talk like once every 10 years for five minutes. It's like, well, that's not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. Relationship begins with time. I've got to give time and space like you know each of my kids or my wife i grow in relationship with them by creating time and space to interact to learn each other to grow with one another to understand each other's heart and so the first habit mm -hmm, habit mm -hmm. one is a habit that sounds so simple and a lot of christians go oh yeah okay got it check and move on and mm -hmm. they miss the secret mm -hmm. and the first habit is spend the first hour of your day alone with god alone with God, not on a train, not in a car, not with your kid on your lap while you're, you know, feeding them a bottle, mm -hmm. uh, not with the TV on, uh, just you and God, mm -hmm. period. Spend the first hour of your day. And, you know, for some people, they hear that and they go, what? An hour? Like, how about five minutes? Well, I think that's what a lot of Christians do. We, right. we kind of give God five minutes and then we give TV three hours and we give, you know, exercise an hour mm -hmm. and we give our hobbies an hour and sure. then we wonder why our spiritual life seems to be, you know, broken and flawed. And so the first kind of radical concept, and it's so dangerous because the human heart always takes a habit and makes it a law. And so we go, okay, okay, God loves me right. if I spend an hour alone. No, 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 no. Sonship, you're a child of God. He doesn't love you more, but relationally, you can't grow until you give God time. And so an hour is enough to completely mess up your schedule but not enough to become impossible to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's the first habit, the habit of relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's where mm -hmm. discipleship begins right. because, you know, if I'm ever going to know God, I've got to give him time. And the idea behind that time is not to just build a knowledge base. The scripture says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, right? And so yeah. the goal is to actually internalize what God says about me and grow in a dynamic relationship mm -hmm. with my creator. And so... It's in that hour that God kind of works out the issues of the heart. And so in the book, right. I kind of give like some real specifics about, hey, what could you do with an hour with God? Because some of us are like, what am I going to like read the Bible in a year? Okay, well, that's not a bad thing. You could do that. Yeah. But yeah. there are other ways you can approach an hour alone with God that might be helpful. And, uh, and I outline a bunch of those in the book. Awesome. Yeah. And I think what's so, I think th th that has really been huge for, I think, a lot of people that I've spoken with is that first hour, that whatever that block of time is, you know, and because yep. it like it orients your day to like, the, like to the, to the good news. And totally. so like you're, you're now like you're in, you're in a different p posture for like how you then react, respond, kind of move throughout your day. And I, and it's cool because like when you, we all, we all can think, all listeners can think of t moments right now when you're at a low, you're at a real low and yep. then you need stability. And that's what, that's what everything around you seems to be, to be so tense and that you need yep. to, to, you need to be on, need to find some foundation. And that's what those habits provide is that it provides, provides that foundation. Totally. And then it's like, things don't seem as bad as, as they once were. Oh, so true. I mean, Solomon says in the Proverbs that the heart of a man is like many waters and a man of understanding draws it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so your heart and mine, we have all these layers, you know, like this morning's a great example. I had my hour alone with God and I just felt disconnected. I didn't feel like close to God. Sometimes that's the way it is. And I just, I just started worshiping God and that's a part of it. So I talk about the different habits and, 
you know, declaring your love is a part of a part of time with God. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm just declaring my love for God in a song. And and I had to grab my journal because right. God just started showing me all the things that I've been frustrated, anxious, and uh, and uncertain about that were in the background. And I didn't even know they were there. And I just started writing them down. There was probably six or seven things that I was kind of carrying that I didn't even realize I was carrying. And so in worship, I just gave each of those things back to God. It's just me and him alone talking about this. I gave all, I just said, God, I can't do that. God, I can't fix that. God, I'm not sure about that. Right. And by the end, I had this peace. And I didn't even know what my problem was when I started praying. And it was in that time that God exposed the layers of my heart and started reordering them so that I could have peace. And it's like so mm -hmm. many of us, it's like you don't yeah, even know it. what you're jacked up with because you haven't given the space and the time for God to talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that reordering them because it, it, it's gonna it's gonna come back. It's not like it's you're, you're gonna totally. fully overcome it, right? And, and That's right. I wanted to go back to something you you mentioned, like is we have a sure. tendency to to make something become law. And I, yeah. I thought that was, and like, you're so right. And I'm, you know, I'm, as you know, like there are, there are people, there are volunteers that are serving regularly that like need that they're, they're leading from a, from a place of validation or they're right. leading from a place of like, I need to do this in order to be accepted. And a lot of, a lot of these identity things can, can come out. Can you, at what point do you like, the, do you start to be like, okay, as someone who's guiding someone and, and discipling someone like, Hey, yeah. like, have you thought that maybe you know, like this is, you know, in crass terms, this is, this is law for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it starts with news, right? So the Bible says that the gospel is, uh, the, the path to salvation, but that word gospel just means good news, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to understand is what the Bible is declaring in the new Testament is that there's been a, there's been a decree spoken over my life and yours and the decree, think of it like a newspaper. I know nobody reads newspapers anymore, but you know, imagine like you get the news and the front headlines say, you are fully forever forgiven by grace. Like, right? So the gospel is a decree over your life. Jesus did what you could not. He lived the perfect life. He died as a substitute for your sins. And now there's been a sacred exchange. And so by faith, by no work of your own, you trust in grace. And that grace makes you right with God mm -hmm. forever. And mm -hmm. so now God sees you through the light of his son, Jesus. You are fully forever forgiven. You're blameless in his sight and you have no spot or sin. And he treats you as though he was speaking with Christ himself. And so mm -hmm. I'm standing in the righteousness of God. Now, from that position, mm -hmm. I have to develop mm -hmm. habits that help my heart internalize that. Right. But for any person, you know, in Christianity, mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it actually is the secret sauce of Christianity, grace. And every other religion will give you a list of things to do, but it won't show you a new identity. And so the, the typical you know, right. human way right. is perform these good deeds and you'll be accepted. Christianity reverses the process and says you are completely accepted by no deed of your own. Now go and do good deeds out of a heart that's been deeply loved. Mm -hmm. And so I work from acceptance rather mm -hmm. than for acceptance. And that's actually the secret of spiritual growth is that everything flows from grace. And these habits support a life built on grace. It's not this striving, hey, do these seven things and God will really love you and then you'll go to heaven. No, no, no. The scandal of Christianity is that you're blameless in his sight. You're perfect in the eyes of God through the blood mm -hmm. of Christ. Mm -hmm. Now from that position, go and live like it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Power. And it's powerful. Yeah. And like why, you know, 
Yeah. And, and so I, I can, as you kind of mentioned, Christianity is the only, it's the only faith that, that has that worldview. It's the, it's, it really is. It, it, it is. And there's, we have to recognize there's something in me. There's something in Tyler that yeah. fights against it. And at the root it's pride. It's, I want to earn my place. And, and there is something offensive. You know, Paul calls it the stone of stumbling because the, the Pharisees tripped over grace because grace is I have to repent not of my sin only, but also of my righteousness, that I can't earn my way to God. And so I have to repent of my own self-righteousness that would try to earn a position before God. And just like a child, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. I have to come aware of my own spiritual poverty, and then God gives me mm -hmm. his entire kingdom. Mm -hmm. And it's from that posture that these habits actually start to make sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think one way that that takes shape is uh, you mentioned about being busy and it's kind of one of our defense yeah. defense mechanisms and it's so true. And yeah. um, I think, you know, I, I, I know you're driven and I know you're some, and yeah. I, you know, and a lot of listeners here that are t taking the time are most likely driven. Yep. A lot of people in New England, pretty driven. Tell pretty, me about it. Yeah. Everything's yeah. twice as fast. Yeah. Twice as fast. And there is, I think there's a lot of good in that. Um, but that, yeah. I think there's a lot of things that we just to be careful about too. And I think one of them is this busyness. Um, yeah. and we can fall into that, into that trap. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean kind of about that? Yeah. Why, why that yeah. can become so problematic? Yeah, totally. I think, you know, if you're a person that's always on the go, always rushing, always on the move, I think it's really important to, uh, well, here's the truth. Eventually you're going to hit the wall. Eventually it's all going to come crashing down because you can't, you know, I like what Pete Scazzaro says. He says, you can't move at warp speed without warping your soul, right? So eventually, mm -hmm. uh, you're, you know, the metal, the internal structure within is bending and distorting, and eventually it's going to collapse. And so, um, you know, you are eventually going to fall apart. And so I think it's important to ask yourself, why? Why mm -hmm. am I moving so fast? And almost every time, it's an identity issue. Mm -hmm. it's, it's I have to prove to who? to my dad, to my brother, to my coworkers, to my friends. I've got to, mm -hmm. I've got to earn my place in this world. I've got to show everybody that I'm special, that I'm important, that I'm valuable. And all of that comes from a broken identity because, yeah. you know, um, no matter what you obtain in this life, the empty vacuum of your soul will always tell you it's not enough. You're not smart enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not wealthy enough. Yeah. You're not important enough. And so it is uh, climbing up the ladder that's leaned against the wrong building. At the end of the day, yeah. you still won't be fulfilled. And that's because, you know, people have talked about it for generations. There is a vacuum in your heart that only God can fill. Right. And it's creed rather than earned. And so he accepts us based on the merits of Jesus. And then from that place, I can actually slow down. But in the book I talk about, there's yeah, yeah. multiple habits, but yeah. habit six really deals with this hurry sickness and yeah. this need to kind of always strive. And we talk about the habit of a weekly Sabbath. And a weekly Sabbath is intended <laughs> for the believer to actually stop work when I'm not finished and then give 24 hours not to do laundry and, you know, um, you know, catch up on bills and, you know, fix the bathroom in the house. But instead, 24 hours hmm. to pause, pray, and play, and to teach your heart that I am not what I accomplish. Mm -hmm. I am a child of God, loved by God. And so mm -hmm. Sabbath is a critical 
uh, discipline and habit that trains your heart in his love by forcing you to stop. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So important in our spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. And I think on that one, it's, um, I think there is a lot of cultural trends that are forcing people to always be on. Totally. And it's, 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 it's really, it's a new phenomenon that is like within the last 15 or so years that is like, you are always to, to be connected, right? Like, right, yeah, look, never stops. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's yeah. the branding. That's the marketing behind it is like always connected, right? Yeah. And um, you can see this, you can, you can kind of see the psychology behind that of like, wow, like if this is trying to grab my soul, yeah. then what, where, what, like, is this actually the place that, that the father kind of has rest for me and has a place for me? Right. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think that there is this thing inside all of us that feels like, you know, I'm going to miss out. I think that's a big millennial phenomenon right now. Yeah. That if I'm not connected, something's going to happen and I'm going to miss out. And so, so many people are afraid to make commitments and afraid to disconnect because if I make a commitment that's too, you know, uh, mm -hmm. too strong, it, it doesn't give me options to right. exit if a better opportunity comes along. And so you see so many, right. especially the younger generation, bouncing from job to job, you know, like yeah. unable to really put roots down. And mm -hmm. the root of all that is this, you know, uh, I have to gain my value by what I obtain. Right. And um, it's an empty, it's an empty path. And so we have to teach our hearts this discipline of, uh, of pausing mm -hmm. in order to internalize what God has already decreed mm -hmm. about us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so can, just to kind of wrap up here, would you yeah. just mind sharing kind of, or anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to kind of touch, touch on or kind of resurface and then just kind of a word of encouragement for our listeners as they, as they go yeah, off wherever sure. they are. Yeah. For sure. I think, uh, you know, in the, in the book, I talk about what I call the ache to be great. And actually my editor, when, when I was writing the book, he was like, uh, should we call it that? Because it sounds a little arrogant. It sounds a little like, like the ache to be great. That doesn't sound like a Christian idea. Right. Um, but you know, in the scriptures, you know, you remember there's this story where the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest and, uh, and Jesus, he pulls them aside and he doesn't say to them, Hey fellas, uh, shame on you for wanting to be great, right? Instead, he says, hey, let me redirect that inner desire. And he says, the greatest among you will be the servant of all, you yeah. know? And you look yeah. at all the way back in the story of Abraham. He says, Abraham, leave your home. I'm going to make you a great nation. He was, he was revealing that God has put in every one of us this deep desire to be great, this deep desire to actually do something great, to do something significant. And that's not a sinful desire. It's actually a godly desire that's been distorted by our culture hmm. to make it all about us. But at the end of the day, what we have to understand, and this is kind of the, the thing that frames the whole book, mm -hmm. is that greatness needs to be redefined, that greatness ultimately is relationship with God, that to know and walk with God is the greatest accomplishment, the greatest thing you and I could ever do hmm. in life. And so I just encourage yeah. you, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're old or young, whether you have the greatest job on the planet or you hate your work and you're kind of struggling, whatever's going on in your right. world today, if your marriage is on the rocks or if you wish you were married and you can't find anybody that seems to fit with you, whatever it is, you don't have to wait to do something great. Just by engaging in an intentional process of spiritual growth, mm -hmm. you're actually doing the greatest thing you could possibly do in this world, and that is grow closer to God. And if you grow closer to mm -hmm. God, then these other desires actually find their rightful place in your heart. Wow. So that would be my encouragement to everybody today. Wow. Ache to be great is what, what was the final. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love that. 
Um, well, well, Justin, um, just you know, super excited for the for the book launch and for everything. And by the time that this this gets gets posted, you know, it'll be a, it'll be available or you know or, or shortly available within a few days. And so, awesome. um, thank you for your time and um, excited for what's to come. Tyler, it's been an honor. Appreciate being here. Absolutely.